10-5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz, Avery for three, hits! Culver is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else. Matt Stoltz and Brad Boba. Christmas edition of the Second to None Podcast. And I guess at the end of the year, this is when some of the best of shows are out. And we're going to have our kind of best of show, at least some of our best moments of the year. And one thing that this podcast has turned into is a platform where we can do a lot of interviews Mm -hmm. and long form interviews. And I was starting to go through a lot of the interviews we've done this year in 2022. We've had some really good visits yeah first of all it is common for you said those best stuff kind of shows to take place now I'll say this big time hosts usually have other people come in and <laughs> host those best of shows <laughs> well we didn't say anything about the host being big time we had some big time we guests. did do that we had a lot of big time guests and some fun times over the course of the years we laughed we cried we ranted you know, Everything we, going on. we have had some Roy Firestone moments in here. <laughs> Went on a run. We did. We had a lot of people. And I'd say it happened, well, probably more than a handful of times where people kind of got a little emotional on this show. We bring that out in people. We go deep. <laughs> That's right. On this podcast. We'll get into some of our better moments uh, from the past year coming up here in a little bit. But uh, we'll start off with basketball. Just one game this past week for the men. Last Wednesday, they were at home hosting Southeast Missouri. The Red Wolves actually were a little bit shorthanded going in. Malcolm Farrington was not able to play in that game due to some back issues. Hopefully, he's back sometime soon. But it was a slow start offensively for the Red Wolves. They shot 29% in the first half. But still, they were only down two at the half. Shot much better in the second half. Got down 11 at one point, but came back to win it 68-61. to 61. Yeah, uh, the, my, my biggest takeaway from this game, number one, it, it, good to get a win. Mm-hmm. There's never a, You never apologize for that. But coming down the stretch, it was tight most of the night and, and this and that. And, you know, there, you would think, you know, there were chances for the crowd to get into it. And this – and – that was never really allowed to happen because the clock spent more time sitting still than it did moving in this game. I don't think I've ever been part of a non-overtime game that lasted this freaking <laughs> long. I mean, I don't think the game was over till about 9.15. Yeah, that's is that right. right. That is right. 9.15, 9.17, it, it was a really long game. There were 45,000 in this game. There was a moment where the power flickered off. Yep. It came like right as we were going into a media time. Yeah, it really so couldn't it, have hit any better. Broadcast-wise, it knocked me off right as I was going into the break. So by the time I got my power back on, we were coming back out. So that worked out. Apparently, you know, an accident had forced power to be cut from the – transmitter for just a second and i'm really i'm not sure if it really only lasted that long or if the building immediately kind of picked up on generator i really don't know i didn't ask any question 
my number one concern was number one making sure you know that everything's going to be safe and the game's going to get back going but past that when you knew that was going to happen my biggest concern was those video boards and praying they'd come back on well they did within about what five or ten minutes i was impressed at how quickly the portable clocks came out to the top of the scores table because you we had to have something well here's here's how what i said tied into what you're saying there was a point in time uh right start of the season where these video boards were really in a bad way and it's just like with anything else you know in technology if something's five years old it may as well be 25 years old there's been 10 new versions in those five years well these video boards are no exception and and part of the reason why i think you know nick grievous and the facilities guys were able to react so quickly with those portable school boards is that part of the reason they were there is that as recently as like the the exhibition game 30 minutes before the men's basketball exhibition game there were no video boards i remember that they were going to have to use the portable school boards Mm -hmm. and uh the guys were able to get them up and going and i mean there's been Sometimes it kind of zip ties and duct tape and a lot of prayers. And so, I mean, once, like I said, once the lights were back on, you knew kind of nothing crazy was happening. I, I was just watching those boards and saying, boy, I wish you'd switch from black to something else here pretty quick. It was a really long game, but it was a good game and that the Red Wolves were able to find a way to win and improved to six and five on the season caleb fields with a good performance finished with 14.6 boards six assists omar el sheik was one point away from his third double double of the year finished with nine points 14 boards and man i love watching isaiah mm-hmm. nelson isn't he fun to watch true freshman six ten, and he's as athletic as anybody we've had as far as a big man is concerned in a long time he had 13 points nine boards and five of those rebounds were on the offensive end no regard for human life i mean if Absolutely he can not. if he can get near a basketball he is going to try to dunk it no matter what or who is between him and the basket this kid tries to dunk everything and uh, that <laughs> leads to some highlights he i've really been big on um, fans of both of these freshmen i staff did a nice job finding those guys and getting them signed because of terrence ford and, and isaiah nelson are both going to be really really good basketball players yeah avery feltz also finished in double figures in that semo game finished with 13 now we're recording this on monday afternoon we know the red wolves have a game tonight as we're recording this but of course uh, this podcast coming out on tuesday meanwhile the women were in action a couple of times this past week it started thursday against grambling uh, a game that was close in the second half this was a close game throughout but the red wolves able to pull away a little bit in the fourth quarter ended up winning at 79 66 destiny rogers i was talking to her before this game and it was like she was already mad she knew her team well enough to know that she watched grambling state's players and watched them play and she knew they're pretty good And I think she really had a sense that her young people, which they are prone to do, really spent more time hung up on a Grambling State's 1-8 record than they did as to kind of the players playing or why they had that record. Part of the reason they had that record is, you know, as you see a lot of times, especially teams in the SWAC, they never play at home. They just go from one place to the next, and typically one power five place to the next, Mm -hmm. playing road games. 
Grambling State came into this t- game with one win because they'd won their only home game of the season. And so right according to plan, just like Coach Rogers knew, they're pretty good. I mean, I think they're going to make some noise in that league. And so it took a while. A-State got up 10. You're like, okay. After a little while, they kind of they got up 10 and thought, well, okay, it's finally settled in here. Next thing you know, it's back to one again. And it was just sort of kind of like that most of the night. But I don't know if ever a time I didn't think A-State was going to win the game, but it was just Grambling State was good enough and athletic enough that you just couldn't put them away. Izzy Higginbottom led the way in that one, 19 points, five assists. Then the Red Wolves were in action again Sunday afternoon, taking on a very familiar foe in a place where the Red Wolves have still never won at the Stevens oh, Center. Oh, my God. Little Rock winning 60-44. to This was a four-point game at the half. Little Rock had a big run early in the third quarter. And Went the thing up, about this is like a big run for Little Rock is not even that they score a bunch of points in a hurry. A big run for them is that you just don't score any. That's how they That's how they go in a run. That You just don't get to score. And, and that's sort of what they did. I mean, I, same thing. People get hung up on the record, right? Oh, my gosh, this should be Joe Fortley's worst team. They were 2-7 and seven or whatever going in. They don't look at the rest of it. I knew – I had talked to some folks down at UCA a couple weeks ago, and UCA beat Little Rock early. But they were telling me then they were missing some people, mm-hmm. and they're just now kind of getting them back. And so A-State didn't play the team that lost to UCA. A-State played the team that beat Texas A&M. Yeah, well, Little Rock – held the Red Wolves to 25% shooting for the game and obviously just the 44 points and that's a Joe Foley type win sure is so the women finish non-conference play five and six Destiny Rogers has talked about just the challenging schedule that they played to this point we'll see how much that helps them going into Sunbelt play which begins on December the 29th. We'll take a time out, be back with more, including some of our best moments from 2022 when we come back here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Your first home is like this dream. The day you walk in, the sun seems to shine more brightly. The ceilings, they just seem taller. And you'll never fix that creaky floorboard because it sounds like comfort. What a hug would sound like if it made a sound. And that's when you realize... Your home. Really, really home. Realize your dream with a home loan from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. Okay, some big things happened this past year. And I guess here in the past six or seven months, a couple of big hires kind of happened back to back, if you will, including the hire of our new athletic director, and Vice Chancellor of Intercollegiate Athletics, Jeff Purinson. And I was excited the first time he came in because it was a chance to kind of sit down and, and get to know him a little bit. That, that was a really fun visit. We got to know about his background a little bit. But as much as anything, I know you and I were anxious to hear just about his previous relationships with some big-time yeah. head coaches. Yeah, I mean – Butch Jones is sitting in his whole career, just the third head football coach he's worked that closely with because the other two were pretty well supplanted at the places he was. He was at Florida State as a student and then a GA and then onto the staff with Bobby Bowden. And then obviously, you know, by the time he goes to Alabama, it was because he got a call from Nick Saban saying, hey, people told me I should talk to you. 
one of our favorite moments from that interview was concerning Coach Bowden and how he really got to know Bobby Bowden at Florida State. Jeff Purinton was just a graduate assistant at Florida State at the time. He told us about being asked to play golf with Bobby Bowden. I remember one time, I'll not forget this, I think I was a GA maybe, and Coach Bowden calls my direct line, which was a pretty big deal. And he's like, hey, buddy. And I'm like, oh, hey, Coach Bowden. He goes, <laughs> what do you have going on uh, this afternoon? And I said, I had this meeting and something else. And he just said, that sounds like something you can get out of. He goes, let's play golf. So I go and tell my boss, hey, Coach Bowden wants me to go play golf with him. He's like, damn it, I guess you got to go. <laughs> so, so Coach Bowden, the, the rule I always had from then on, I always kept my clubs and some shorts and golf shoes in my car. And I've carried that to this day. And and it's pretty much the same with Coach Saban the last 15 years at Alabama. So really enjoyed kind of getting to know Jeff Purinton and how he got to know Bobby Bowden and Nick Saban and their relationships really formed a lot by the game of golf and all their time on the golf course together. I mean, I tell you for a fact, golf as a sport is either going to strengthen the relationship or ruin it. <laughs> there is no in-between. <laughs> we also had a chance to visit with our new chancellor, Todd Shields and had a great visit with him and you know he's a guy that has authored a lot of books he has many leather-bound books he has many of them as well but he's also written yes, he several of them and one thing that I think we were proud of we got about 20 minutes into the interview without asking him <laughs> the question that he probably gets asked more than anything else how long you've got the timer? How long are we into this thing, Stoltz, right now? We're just over 20 minutes. Are we ready to get yeah, to the good stuff now? Oh, good stuff now. Okay. No, I was saying, when's the last time you talked to somebody for 20 minutes without the conversation having yet shifted to the fact that you did a, a stint as Miss America's dad? Oh, <laughs> it usually goes there. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have a name tag that, you know, said Todd Shields and my title and everything. And then as a joke, my. My colleagues replaced it with Savvy's dad, which, you know, was really, really more appropriate. Right. And that that I'm very proud of her for what she's accomplished and what she's done. And she was actually the one that told me when she was Miss America, she came to Jonesboro, I think five times. Maybe you don't quote yeah. me on that, but I think several times that she was back and she was the one that was saying, Dad, they're the nicest people you're ever going to meet ever of all the places that she went. She was like, this is the nicest place. And she was right. And I keep saying, OK, when are you coming back? And so. Um, I'm going to get her back here soon. But yes, I sure did. That part of this conversation really didn't go any way like I thought it would go, both in sort of Savvy's pageant background or what he thought about it. Neither one of those things matched up to what I figured we'd hear in that conversation. It's neat every fall when we get ready for the Hall of Honor banquet and we get to visit with some of the inductees. And there were a couple of very accomplished quarterbacks in A-State history that went in this past year, and we got to visit with both of those. And the first we visited with was a guy that we had a front-row seat for his entire career, Corey Leonard, and uh, we were so excited to get to see Corey go into the Hall of Honor, but to be able to talk to him on the podcast about his career path and everything that happened. He was part of some of the biggest moments in 
A-State football history, some of the biggest wins, the Hail Mary win in 06, the comeback in 07, both against Memphis, of course, the 2008 victory against Texas A&M. He was quarterback for that one. But I thought one of the strongest parts of that interview was talking about his senior season and when he eventually got benched towards the end of the year. He was really candid about what happened and how that moment when he did get benched brought him closer than ever to his former head coach, Steve Roberts. We had just played FAU. It was my senior year. And the season was not going the way that everyone expected it to. We were heavily favored at the beginning of the year, and we had had a ton of uh, injuries. Evan Vandola blows out his leg first game of the season. We got hit hard. Reggie was battling a lot. Mm -hmm. And and he benched Reggie and I to allow Applin and some of the younger guys to start. And I remember people in the stands were, like, yelling at him for making that decision because, you know, selfishly, his parents, they want their kids to play. We had been there a long time. And he pulled this out in front of everybody in front of the bus. Everybody was in the bus, but they could all see. And he, he was out front of the bus and he started crying and he was just like, but I want you guys to know how much I love you. And, and we, we had a conversation that was private. I won't you know replicate it, but the amount of humbleness it takes a man that was probably in his late forties at the time to bring out two early 20 year olds that had been in his program for four or five years that were very much faces of an organization for that period of time and to acknowledge to us how hard and heavy those emotional decisions could occur, like that's something that just doesn't happen. And, yeah. and man, I, I respect him so much for doing that because I remember it vividly, and I loved him more as a, as a person in that moment than I probably had my entire career, and I just have an enormous amount of respect for him as a person. Another guy that we got to visit with yeah. was Cleo Lemon. Yeah, you know, Cleo Lemon – this was a really good interview or conversation really from front to end because a big name from a time where quite honestly a-state wasn't that good in football trying to still get its footing and going back to the division one level and you know he played a role in kind of helping start to lay the groundwork for that but you know what i think you and i both learned in this conversation wasn't even so much about what he did during his a-state career as much as what he did when it ended i came back to school and I was a student coach. So I go from being a four-year starter to being a scout team quarterback um, that next year. Now, wait a minute. You were playing scout team quarterback after you had graduated. After I had finished, I had surgery. I was rehabbing on my own. I came back, <laughs> and I was playing scout team quarterback that, that following season. So that, that was part of my rehab. So okay. I told them I wanted to do something, and the defensive coaches asked me, hey, like, well, if you're here, you're going to be around. Why don't you help us out with scout team and do some scout team stuff? So we started doing some scout team stuff. I was doing the coaching thing. I was like, look, just take the reps. Like, let's, you just control it. You run it. It's yours. Get your rehab in. Do what you need to do. Make your throws. I know you still want to play. And that's what I did. They gave me that opportunity. I tossed it around, you know, during the week. Uh, versus the first team defense and that was the way I was able to you know stay in a groove stay stay you know in shape and you know from that point work my way back into the league through workouts um had an agent that was grinding with me um it, it was a long journey man it, it was a lot of sleepless nights a lot of you know um, thoughts about giving up that that dream and you know um, for it to pay off and all that hard work that I put into it, 
to see it come come the way it did, man. I, I just felt great about it and um, never looked back. Just took off with it. Is that not bad for the team's confidence? If, if you're running the scout team, I mean, I, that, I feel like that could be that could have a negative impact. <laughs> no, nah, man, those guys are flying around. They was trying to make plays, but, you know, if they're getting a good look, that's, you know, that's all the coach can ask for, right? <laughs> One person that we got to talk to just before the football season was A-State defensive coordinator Rob Harley, and it was the first time we really had a chance to have an extended visit with Coach Harley and got to learn a lot about him. But, yeah, we knew he was a player at Ohio State, and – that was actually fun talking about those days yeah. because we were getting ready to see the Red Wolves play Ohio State. And he's got a great connection there with his great-great-uncle, Chick Harley, yep. who's one of the most famous players in their history. Yeah, it was so it was neat to talk on the front end before the season started about that and then uh, you know, to hear about, again, you know, Chick and his place in history and the storied history. Uh, of the Buckeye program. And then, you know, even, you know, Coach Harley got to play a role in the history of Ohio State. He came out of there with a national championship ring. One other little tidbit we learned was that it wasn't automatic that he was going into coaching. In fact, when he left Ohio State, that really wasn't on his radar. He actually started out as a broadcaster. Didn't really know what I wanted to do and kind of stumbled into, did an interview much like this as a, as a college athlete. And the interviewer was like, hey, you may have a chance to do this. So I actually started like my senior year interning with the local NBC and just hanging out and doing like Mm -hmm. sports stuff and hanging out with their sports anchor. And then after ended up getting a job with ABC there locally, just covering Ohio State football, thought that's what I wanted to do and ended up doing that for seven years and ended up being with ESPN uh, at the time. They only had the ESPN and ESPN2, so that ESPN3, that was like all online and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So did a bunch of like regional games, right? So like a South Florida Rutgers game in the Big East, back when the Big East was the Big East. So did that for, like I said, seven years. So you did like color and sidelines. Yep, color sidelines, did sidelines for the Big Ten Network, and then uh, ended up, like I said, the last thing I did was with ESPN covering games, and then I just... I don't know what I know triggered it. <laughs> coaching where the money's at. Yeah, well, shoot, yeah, exactly <laughs> right. But uh, coaching where the time spent is everything. But I think you know what I think that what happened was it just ke- it kept me close to the game, and it just it wasn't enough. Well, one guy that we're around a whole lot that loves Arkansas State and an Arkansas State football as much as anybody there is is. Hall of Honor member, former defensive end, Robert Spear, who was part of the 1975 undefeated team. And, man, we had all kinds of great (laughs) stories from him when he sat down with us. Yeah, we knew we would, right? I mean, it was going to be great content. Um, Spear, you know, being a a Jonesboro High School grad and end up at Arkansas State and just how invested he is in his alma mater, not just football. That's what I love about that guy is if Arkansas State's playing, there's a good chance you're going to see Robert Spear there. We've sat and talked at multiple soccer matches or, or volleyball, basketball, you name it. Uh, he's there if the Red Wolves are playing. And uh, he, he does a great job for me. This is sort of kind of helping me stay plugged in. We've talked about it before. Just sort of a lot of the 
history and the names involved in the program. So, yeah, it was good to get him in here and pull a few stories out of it. A couple of things we learned in that interview that uh, I certainly didn't know anything about was the fact that he was kicked out of not one but <laughs> two different homecoming games. Yeah. And that 75 team also had a very interesting tradition. There was one place they would always go after they won a game. So we started a tradition. You know, after we won our first game in 1975, we decided that uh, as a team bonding experience, we'd uh, go down to a place called the Rib House in Truman and uh, have a little, little team bonding experience there after the pep rally, <laughs> which I never knew why it was called the Rib House because I never saw anybody eat a rib there, just <laughs> – drank slits beer, you know, out of the keg and many fights over the pool hall, pool tables in there and a lot of good time. Of course, we had a curfew, so we always made sure we made it back to curfew, you know. But, you know, we started and the coaches found out we was doing it, but they kind of – Coach Davidson's really good about this. He was very superstitious about his stuff. You know, he'd mow his yard before a game day at a certain time, wear the same clothes. And, and so we started this about the rip house and – he never shut us down because, you know, it worked all, all the way through till we were undefeated. But those are good times, you know. The rib house on Thursdays and then Roy's after wins on Saturdays, right? Life was good. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'll say this about Robert Spear and that 1975 team you just heard him talking about. Uh, as I was getting my office situated uh, this fall in the uh, admin building, there was some stuff I didn't really have, but it was stuff kind of just lying around that ended up on my wall. There was a, a, a literal, physical, original 1970 team schedule poster, a team that won the national uh-huh. championship. And then there's a poster that was produced years later when that team went into the Arkansas Sports Hall of Fame. Both of those things are on the wall in my office. Well, there's also really cool. had been one of those posters produced about the 1975 undefeated team. I didn't have one. So Robert Spear went and got me one. He got one printed. And so now I can tell you the 75 team is framed and up on my office wall as well. He is a good guy to know. One of my favorite visits of the past year came with a guy that uh, we've been around for quite a while now who's very involved in the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, works very closely with both the football and the men's basketball teams. But Darius Dunaway came in here and – told us his story and if you didn't hear this podcast i encourage you to just go back and listen to the entire thing because he has an amazing story of his faith and where he came from he came from a horrible situation growing up in monroe louisiana he was just really transparent with us and man what a story yeah again it is one of those that i would encourage you to listen to sort of front to back because uh just a really, really cool story of, as you said, faith and perseverance and all those things. And, and now it's, you know, one of, uh, you know, giving back and pouring back in to athletes the way people poured into him. One thing that was cool during that interview was just hearing how close he and his former teammates have stayed. In fact, they still have a very, very active text group that uh, is going every day. And it's crazy. It's about 30-plus people in the text group from all years when they came in and years that they finished up. And we just we text and stay in touch on different things. I mean, it's sometimes it's super, super simple gifts that's being sent. Or sometimes it's super deep in detail, like, hey, how can we pray for you? Or what, what do you guys need? If you're in my city, let me know how, so, I can, so I can help you. I can host you. You know, like when we go to Ohio State this year, 
one of our players, um, Isaiah Shepard, who played for A-State, is from Ohio. And he said, hey, I'm coming to the game. I'm going to come support you guys. If you need to come by and hang out, um, come see me. Like, you know, things like that. It's, it's, it's pretty impressive to see the connection we still have. Who's the funniest guy in the group? Oh, it's kind of hard, man. You got a guys like Gregory McCall. Who we, we used to call him Sweat. I don't know if you remember him. Sure, I remember him. Hilarious, hilarious guy, man. We got Tim Starson, who's also hilarious as well. I mean, there's a, I mean, Elroy Brown. <laughs> I mean, several guys who are just, you know, we got Chico. We got, I mean, I can go down a list. It's, it's a lot of guys, and that's hard to pick uh, just one. Philip and oh, Applin and Applin, Demario. Stock, they're, they're all in this. Yeah, Taylor Stockman, Demario Davis. I mean, G, I mean, Jeremy Gibson. All of us are all in this group. If you can think of them, they're probably in this group message. And then one more kind of football-themed interview. We wanted to kind of go back and and talk about one more time was one that we've done here in the last couple of months didn't know if we'd ever have a chance to sit down on a platform like this and and talk to this guy but it was really really neat having bill Berge in town you could make a very strong case the greatest player in the history of arkansas state football but you know it's been a while since he has been back and by all accounts he had a really good visit when he was here in jonesboro just the stories we learned from him I think were great but at the same time I think there was a little bit of a misconception out there about how he actually felt about Arkansas State those feelings from Bill Berge towards Arkansas State were a lot warmer than what I think a lot of people thought and there are maybe a few different reasons for that number one and I don't this is not a knock but I think a lot of it's coming from an interview that was done in Arkansas but not done by Arkansas State people you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I and I think, you know, I think a few lines are pulled out of that without maybe full context because the same sorts of things, the situations he talked about in that interview that people turned into Bill Berge didn't like his time at Arkansas State. He talked about those same things here on this podcast, he but did. then said, hey, everything I got, I owe to Arkansas State. And so uh, I do think uh, misconception, I, I think, is, a, is the right word. And hopefully people who maybe – had the wrong idea about Bill Berge and his feelings about A-State, came out of that podcast feeling differently. And one of my favorite stories that uh, I think I've heard on this podcast concerned Bill Berge and a story about his former head coach, Benny Ellender. Here's what he had to say about that. There's a Benny Ellender story you've told me before. Someone tried to set it up and let you take it. But there was a time... While you were still playing for Arkansas State, that a booster gave you money. Oh, boy, I know it. This is such a great story. First of all, I came from very humbling surroundings back in western New York. I had to have any kind of scholarship to get me going. But uh, I had a a real good game, and uh, there was a booster that gave me $50. Are you kidding me? $50? That's more money than God has, for crying out loud. (laughs) And uh, I said to myself, you got to do the right thing because you're going to get drafted. And I've heard so many people take money like that. If you get caught taking money like that, you're not going to get drafted or something bad's going to happen in the NFL. So anyhow... My conscience was getting the best of me, so I went to Benny Ellender's uh, office this one morning, and I said, Coach Ellender, there was this booster that uh, gave me $50 last night for my play, I guess. I'm not really sure. And Benny Ellender said, well, do you have the money? And I said, yeah. And he said, let me have it. And he took it, 
and he pulled out his drawer, put the $50 in and shut the drawer. And he said, Bill Berge, I want to tell you, you did the honorable thing. I'm very proud of you. I go out into that parking lot and I've never beat myself up so bad as I beat myself up. You dumb idiot. You knew that he was going to keep the money. What the heck is your problem? Fast forward, I get drafted in uh, March and Benny Ellinger called me up and I, I know he was going to congratulate me because I was uh, the fifth person picked in the second round and at that time it was the highest ASU football player to be uh, selected. Benny Ellinger said, your years here at uh, Arkansas State were great. I've appreciated everything you've done. And by the way, you are a pro now, aren't you? And I, I go, yeah. And he pulled his drawer out grabbed the $50 and handed it back to me. And I thought that was the greatest life learning experience I've ever had. And again, these are just some of the many great moments, great interviews we've had over the past year in 2022. And who knows, maybe we'll take a look at some more of those interviews on next week's edition. In the meantime, we're going to take another quick time out, be back and take a look ahead to this week when we wrap things up. Right after this on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. couple of big things coming up. Now, we mentioned the women's basketball team is done with non-conference. They don't have anything this coming week. They'll begin conference play on the 29th. Mm-hmm. But the men still have another game coming up. Thursday at 2 against Little Rock. And I know there was some conversation about <laughs> how weird that start time was two o'clock on a thursday as opposed to seven and when you look at that weather forecast now that's probably a little bit of a blessing in disguise that we're playing that early that's right you all are welcome (laughs) truth is listen and and i mean i would say it happened quietly and i don't mean even mean intentionally quietly i just think the bottom it's actually been changed since before the season ever started Mm -hmm. this time had been two o'clock conversations as to why or what led to that didn't involve me so i can't even speak to it but it's been moved that way for a while like i said so hopefully now it'll be a a good thing given the way the forecast looks at the bare minimum uh we'll get folks out of there before it gets brutally cold as it is going to do thursday night and into friday but we're gonna have a little fun thursday so you know if you can get out of work if you're not off yet you know ask off a little bit early your kids are already home bring them because Santa and Mrs. Claus are going to be there before the game starts. So a couple of things, if you need to make a last minute photos or you or your kid needs to make sort of a last minute pitch to try to get on a different list than the one you might be on, mm-hmm. here's your chance. When your last chance is to catch up with Santa and Mrs. Claus before they get really busy. And then, um, you know, I encourage you to, Wear your ugly sweaters because we're going to scan the crowd and bring some folks down during the game for an ugly sweater contest. All right. And, hey, it's A-State Little Rock. We get to keep the rivalry going, which we didn't know if that was going to happen or not. But that's... you know what else is going on with that game? Since it's 2 o'clock and it's Christmas week, we're having a little fun. 
at every level, upper level, lower level sides, and lower level end zones. All three price levels have buy one, get one tickets. Bring a bunch of friends. Come on out Thursday at 2. And then the other big thing happening this week, National Signing Day, Wednesday. We'll be out there, you and I doing our coverage that we've been doing for a long time now, but we'll be there early and be on the Ticket Radio Network from 7 to 10. By all accounts, a very good chance that uh, this A-State football program could be landing its second straight top-ranked recruiting class. And hopefully it plays out that way, but I think Coach Jones and his staff have been working extremely hard and they feel good about what's going to be coming in yeah and you know so far as a continued sort of knock on wood have there been a couple of losses in the transfer portal yes but nothing or not enough that i think would get coach jones to stray from the way he's wanting to do it and that's what we've talked about here almost on a weekly basis he's trying to build this thing from the ground up by stacking together good young classes in an era that it's never going to be tougher to do that well he and his staff did one heck of a job not just putting this class they're going to sign this week together but hanging on to the class they've built behind it so i would say overall you should be encouraged that the staff because right now recruiting starts with your own roster and they've done a heck of a job recruiting their own roster and keeping a bunch of guys out of the portal anything we need to talk about before we get out of here no i just uh hopefully by the time you're listening to this, we saw you at the uh, game on Monday night, and we all got a chance to say hello to Tyler Zuber, who was in town for that yeah. Alabama State game. But hopefully, you're making your plans to come join us Thursday. I understand, you know, the weather, and I understand the start time. Look, and there are always going to be reasons not to go, no matter what. It's always in the very best of circumstances, weather-wise, record-wise, doesn't matter. It's always going to be reasons not to go. So hopefully, good group of you will fight off all those reasons and join us in there we'll have a little fun thursday afternoon we're very thankful for all of you listening to this podcast each and every week and we wish you all a very merry christmas and we'll be right back with you here next week on another edition of the second to none podcast presented by simmons bank